This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, a player on Riftwake and a D&D enthusiast. And today's topic is gambling. Mitch, what is gambling? Uh, the fastest way for me to lose my money. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's the fastest. Technically, you can always just throw the money away or just give it all at once. Yeah, but there's no effort in that. Yeah, but it would be the fastest. But not the funnest. This is true, and that is one of the big dangers of gambling. But in all seriousness, the technical definition for gambling is to play games of chance for money. Semicolon, bet. Okay, so with that being said, how often do you think that gambling comes up in the 5th edition D&D books? Twice. Not quite. It's uh, rather considerably more than that. It is mentioned in... <gasps> Xanathar's Guide to Everything, Storm King's Thunder, Eberron Rising of the Last Four, Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, Acquisitions Incorporated, Wayfinder... I already said Eberron. Ba, 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 ba. Now we're into the repeats. Uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. <laughs> uh, Mythic Odysseys of Theros. It's mentioned a lot, actually. So you're telling me they spend more time talking about gambling than they do about difficulty classes? Oh, yes, considerably. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Without a doubt. So the first thing to mention, of course, is there is an actual gambling downtime activity in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. I'm not a huge fan of it, though, but let's go through it because it is what we have for rules as written. Games of chance are a way to make a fortune, and perhaps a better way to lose one. This activity requires one workweek of effort, plus a stake of at least 10 gold to a maximum of 1,000 gold pieces or more as you see fit. The character must make a series of checks with the DC determined at random 
based on the quality of the competition that the character runs into. Part of the risk of gambling is that one never knows who might up sitting across the table. The character makes three checks. Insight, Deception, and Intimidation. If the character has proficiency with an appropriate gambling set, or appropriate gaming set, that tool proficiency can replace the relevant skill in any of the checks. The DC for the checks is 5 plus 2d10. Generate a separate DC for each one. Then consult the table below, yada yada. Zero successes. Lose all the money you bet. And accrue a debt equal to that amount. One success. Lose half the money you bet. Two successes. Gain the amount you bet, plus half again more. Three successes. Gain double the amount you bet. Complications. Gambling tends to attract unsavory individuals. The potential complications involved come from run-ins with the law and associations with various criminals tied to the activity. Every workweek spent gambling brings a 10% chance of a complication, examples of which are on the gambling complications table. I'm not going to bother reading through that table because I don't care. So that is the basics of gambling by the simplest rules as written that exists. I am curious, just with having read that, what is your opinion on that system? I don't like that it limits you to a thousand dollar or a thousand gold max, but I mean it does say or the, more as you see fit. Yeah. But yeah. Cause that is something that you know, I mean hopefully you'll get more than that eventually. At the same time, that is still a rather considerable amount of money. Because keep in mind Gold, like if we do the translation that I like to use, is a hundred US dollars. So a thousand gold would be like dropping a hundred thousand dollars on gambling. Yeah, but if you're filthy rich, you can do that. But if you're filthy rich, you can do that. And so, of course, a DM does have the authority at any given moment to just decide, yeah, that's fine. You can, you know, bet like this is a higher stakes place, so this one has a you know, 10,000, 100,000 gold limit. Because holy shit, if you manage to get 100,000 gold in debt, that'd be a story point right there. So actually, that takes me to a very important uh, tangent to discuss, which is, of course, why? Why would you want to have gambling in a D&D game? Plot filler. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Sometimes you just need to have, you know, some type of beach episode, like you need to just kill time for a week. And yeah, gambling could be a way to do that. So with that being said, do you think that this set of rules would be fun for players to do the, this series of rules? Eh. It's not exciting at all. Like, it's... Like, I'll be honest, like, the math of it is pretty solid. Like, that's actually pretty neat. The fact that it is almost like a mini skill check challenge where you have three roles and you need to succeed some amount to succeed. And the fact that it is variable DC, I can see the logic of that. Although I'll admit, I personally am not fond of varying DCs because that just creates a complication for you as a DM to keep track of. So... The rules here are simple and tidy, and that's not great. So I'll be honest, yeah, that is 
that's it. Like, it works, I guess, but it's not interesting. So, with that being said, can you think of other ways that one might make use of gambling in a D&D game? Uh, I mean, you can place bets on a bar getting in a bar fight or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. There's all kinds of things that you can bet on that might have just some form of varied results. I mean, hell, sports betting is one of like the largest sources of betting in our world, and I would I would bet that in a D&D world, it would be even more so because you do have, I mean, I'm sorry to phrase it this way, but it's true, more interesting things to bet on. Like as much stuff as we have in our world in a D&D magical world, there'd be all kinds of crazy shit that might exist. So there's thankfully one rather specific thing that I can point at. Um, have you ever heard of Tomb of Annihilation? I want to say yes but I don't know. All right. So it's honestly, it's a pretty neat adventure and just story. Like it is like the whole theme of it is basically tomb in a really dangerous jungle type of situation. But like it is kind of the origin or at least one of the origins of that trope when it like when it comes to D&D, because holy shit, like that is a pretty well detailed just location, just the whole land of Chult is a kind of neat place. But anyway, in the 5th edition version, though, they actually do have a decently like expanded sidebar on dinosaur racing, because that's a fucking thing that they have there. Now that is way more fucking interesting in my eyes. And Besides just the fact that dinosaurs are cool and seeing a bunch of different types of dinosaurs racing would be amazing, it actually has a pretty significant set of rules for how it works. And when I say significant, I mean it's like two or three pages long of just charts and information and descriptions. Like, it is pretty significant. So if you want to have any form of racing, like with any types of just, you know, the many, many, many creatures that do exist in D&D, yeah, that you could just adapt the rules found here under dinosaur racing in Tomb of Annihilation, and that would be a fantastic resource for dungeon masters that want to do such. So when I say that they've got a lot of charts, I mean it. Like, they have columns for the odds of the individual dinosaurs racing, and then a roll to see how far they actually progress, a, another column of just like what they need to actually get to the finish line to win, what the actual payout is for those who don't know odds math super great, and just like a couple of just, you know, dinosaur names that you might want to make use of just as examples. Like, it is pretty significant just the quantity of data that they give here that a DM can make use of. It's really nice. But then it also does have like explanations that there are like different categories that you could use. Like you might have, you know, separate races for four-legged or two-legged creatures. Like maybe, you know, it doesn't mention it here, but maybe you have a separate race like that is just like a flying race. Could you imagine trying to narrate a flying race of just 
like whatever creatures you might have access to you have like you know griffin hippogriff you know whatever the hell flying creatures just are you know tameable that'd be fucking awesome and just I really just wish that this was honestly a better known thing because it's really well done. But also just the fact that they do have an explanation on how to run a race and how to actually deal with the wagers and betting on such. So like as an example, okay, let's say that you put a hundred gold bet on something that has got like, obviously it's one of the favorites to it. So let's say it's got five to one odds to win. Do you know what that actually means in terms of how you get paid? Uh, you get five times the payout, is it? No, it is the opposite. So five to one odds means that the thing is expected to win. So you get oh. one fifth the amount that you bet. So if you bet 100, you would get 20 gold as a win. On the other hand, if you have the opposite one, where the odds are one to five, that is the situation where it would be a five time your bet payout. So then is when you would get 500 gold. So the fact that they actually do have this written in the chart because of the fact that most of us don't really know how odds work is really nice. Like, I really like the fact that they went to that level of detail to explain how odds works in this sidebar. That's really cool and helpful. And the fact that it also does go on to explain that, yeah, you know, you can make bets, you can, you know, it gives a range of what betting will typically be accepted, you know. And another nice detail here is that you can decide what your bet is. You can do a bet for winning, placing, showing, or doing something specific during the race, like attack another racer or throw its rider. <laughs> so many bets could win over the course of a single race. Like, that's really fucking cool. Because that's another thing that, I'll be honest, I might not have just thought of if it, I wasn't just given that text. Because that's a really cool idea. The fact that you can have official bets, you know, in a shadier kind of place that is like, you know, yeah, I'm watching a race, but I bet you that, like, like you might place a bet that, like, Okay, I bet that two jockeys are going to die. Or I bet that this creature is going to win the race. Or I, or you might even place like a lesser bet with reduced odds, maybe. That like, I bet that that dinosaur is going to at least finish the race. It might not, might win, might not, but I bet it'll at least finish. And like, you can choose how simple or complicated you want to get with that. And I appreciate that amount of flexibility. What's also kind of neat when talking about betting is that they have another couple of sentences after it losers are expected to pay up in a timely fashion those who don't are visited by a debt collector backed up by leg breakers one t4 plus one thugs or gladiators depending on the level and reputation of the better bookies never forget a debt even a year away on an expedition into the jungle isn't long enough to erase an unpaid gambling loss so now we have math we have cool story just at the moment with the actual race. We've got interesting, you know, negative complications that might arise due to all of this. There is so much here that can be made use of by a DM that I just really appreciate the amount of detail in this section. So seriously, 
read through dinosaur racing in Tomb of Annihilation if you want to just make use of any form of racing in a D&D world. It is a fantastic template that you can make use of. So, that being said, I'm actually kind of curious. What do you think is the most popular types of gambling in general? Like, on Earth, I mean. Uh, I'm partial to blackjack. Blackjack is fun. So yeah, like casino-style games then. Blackjack, poker, you know, all that good stuff. Hmm. Yeah. And the funny thing is, there are explicitly a lot of casinos written about in D&D. Like, there... I, I, I'll be honest, like, this is yet another situation where D&D Beyond just kind of maxed out uh, the the search results so i don't know exactly how many there are because it's also just mentioned that you know eberron has a lot of casinos all over the place to the point where it is just mentioned that yeah ah yes there's this clan that just controls gambling in the city without going into too much detail of how that actually works which is a pro anacon i honestly always like getting extra detail like, there's also a mention in Storm King Thunder that just one of the clues that is just part of that task is that they find a Golden Goose uh, casino token and they have to figure out, well, what the hell is this thing and where does this come from? And then they have to kind of just track down the origin of this, you know, poker chip. And that's also just kind of neat to think about because that totally makes sense to be a thing. Like, the idea of you know, casino chips, you know, poker chips, whatever you decide to call them. Like, that is something that has had, you know, reason to exist for logical reasons for just a long time through the history of gambling. So making use of that in D&D sense. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But it's also just kind of fun to think about because if you do make the choice to have gambling be a rather considerable thing, I'm curious, can you think of any large-scale implications or results of just big gambling houses in the world? Uh, Usually corruption. Yeah, that very well could be. I mean... Our world has had, quote-unquote, rumored ties between casinos and the mafia for as long as both have existed. So having that be a thing in your D&D world could absolutely be a thing. Like, if you want to have there be, you know, organized crime as part of the existence of casinos, you could totally go with that. 
And that'd be kind of interesting storytelling. And also, you know, if you do want to tell the more just contrary or non-standard type of story, if you want to do something heist-like, then you can go full on Ocean's Eleven if you want to and just have there be this just massive score that you guys spend, like an entire campaign just trying to win and just like get into this place to get this just massive haul. And I'll be honest, that's like a style of D&D that most people don't play is the idea of planning for a singular large task or quest. But most D&D typically has like, yeah, you know, you get into all these small fights on the way, you know, other things that happen or distract you or catch your interest. But I think it'd be kind of neat to just do that kind of large heist where it might well be a situation, again, just depending on how you decide to play it, where like you just play a game where everyone just is level eight. Like you're all very talented individuals at your individual skill sets. And then over the course of session after session, like it is planning, it is preparation, it is research, it is infiltration. And so you might decide that this is a game where you don't have standard XP. Like you might purposely decide you don't want to have characters level at all over the course of an entire campaign. You can make that choice as a DM. And I think that that'd be a kind of interesting way to go about such a thing because it is just you will get all the loot if you can succeed in this task. If you don't, well, that's probably the end of that character because they're going to get tossed in a hole and throw away the key. Like, that would be kind of neat. And yet, that is not something that I typically see in most D&D games. You can make other choices in how you decide to run that. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, that was a rather significant tangent. So, all right. Other things, though. Can you think of any potentially positive results for there being large casinos in a world tax revenue tourism yeah. uh, employment absolutely because again is there potentially corruption when you do have you know just large amounts of gold flowing through a place yes but at the same time you have large amounts of gold flowing through a place and that can have all kinds of implications on that location and just the surrounding area. Like, let's just take it to the extreme and let's just say you make the choice to not just have gambling be a thing in your world, but also to just go full on. I have a city that is D&D Vegas, and this is just a place that I design, and it is just the heart of gambling. It has got all kinds of stuff available there basically if you have gold you can like find anything to potentially bet on like you want to place a bet on you know who's going to be the next king of you know other city you can do that if you want to place a bet on you know who's going to be the next you know noble in this other city to get assassinated you know that might be a little more black market but you can find a guy and place such a bet so actually that being said i should probably take this moment to tangent for one other related topic which is of course what do you allow to gamble like in your world 
So do you have casinos? Do you have races? Do you have just any type of just, you know, official betting establishments? You can have any one of those. You could have none of those. You could have all of those and all of the many, many, many variations of things that I have not talked about. So it is just a very fascinating thing because this is something like, like, well, okay, not everyone, but most people have put some form of gambling at some point in their life on something, whether that was, you know, some form of horse race, whether that was, you know, going to a casino or just, you know, online poker, you know, is also a thing. So in a D&D world, though, it might have different things, different things that you could bet on. So for all the things that we've talked about, though, I have actually not said the number one source of gambling in our world, lottery. The lottery is the most common source of gambling in the U.S., at least. I can't actually say truthfully whether that is true for the whole world because I don't know. I know much more about D&D than I know about Earth politics. Anyway, the point being, though, what is the draw of a lottery? Quitting your job. Not winning the lottery. Lottery is existing. Oh. Uh, Big pile of money. Big pile of money. But big pile of money for who? Uh, (laughs) If you win, you... uh... Statistically, someone else. Yeah, there's another side of that, though, that you're not touching. Taxes. City. Well, that also true, but whoever runs the lottery. Whoever runs the lottery. Because something that a lot of people don't think about, it would be an incredibly good idea in a D&D world just to have lotteries just as a source of funding for specific projects just in a city so let's say that you have a dnd city of let's just say ten thousand people so it's a pretty sizable city for dnd but it's not quite like a metropolis by dnd standards so let's say that okay this city wants a teleportation circle but doesn't really have the tax budget for that because a permanent teleportation circle gets really fucking expensive in the long run. However, if you do have a population of 10,000 people, it is entirely possible that you might have a decent amount of disposable income amongst those individuals. So you don't have to go full-on Remy and uh, have charts based on your own demographics by city by wealth by race by population by power anyway you get the idea A L sheet for every npc uh <laughs> <clears throat> i will neither confirm nor deny but anyway <laughs> the point though is that okay if you can have a lottery and let's just say it is one silver per lottery ticket Okay, that's actually relatively reasonable, just even for non-adventurers, that's not, you know, too much money out of pocket if you just have that be an occasional thing. So how many people do you think play the lottery? 7%. 
So, what the hell? What? Uh, I tried to actually Google the actual statistic as I asked that question, but uh, they don't seem to actually have data in terms of percentages. Hmm. Oh, no, here we go. Found it, finally. What percent of Americans bought a lottery ticket in the past year? 49%? Wow. I was holy way shit. off. But to be fair, that is a ticket. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. Holy shit. Okay, that's actually a significantly higher number than I was expecting, in all honesty. So let's round down and let's say, okay, what percentage of people do we think will actually play regularly? So if you have a weekly lottery, let's say 10% to just round it closer to what you said, because I'll be honest, that seems like a more reasonable number to me. I might be wrong, and I will absolutely be researching later, but for the sake of that, let's say. Okay. So 10% of 10,000 would be 1,000. So that would be 1,000 silver pieces every week if you decide to have a weekly lottery. So that is 100 gold pieces collected every single week, week after week. Now, the genius of lottery, depending on exactly how you set it up, you can decide that, okay, X percentage of the collected money is actually paid out in the lottery. So for example, let's say 50%. So if so then with that one silver lottery ticket, you might win 50 gold. That is a massive jump from the cost and at, at the same time it's not it's not going to be like a life-changing amount of money. But again, this is small city compared to our world where we can have, sell millions of lottery tickets. But okay, so that would mean though that 50 gold a week payout, you would have people buy tickets for that. But at the same time, that would also mean that the lottery you know, organization, whatever that might be, collects that 50 gold. So let's say that it is actually the city government themselves who does this. Okay, so that would mean every single week they are collecting 50 gold just, at, just to pocket. So let's say that, you know, the people involved, you know, paying people to like sell the tickets, sell, you know, create the things. Let's say that that actually uses up half of what they take in. So four weeks on that, you know, let's just, again, for math's sake. So that would be 50 gold a week to them. So 200 gold. And then let's say half that expenses. So they're still just making in potential profit a hundred gold a month, which again is not nothing if you actually do consider, you know, the gold to uh, dollar conversion. So if you've got a hundred gold a month, that actually is enough to pay the component cost for teleportation circle. So if you just had one person who's willing to cast the spell for you to try to start making that permanent teleportation circle, yeah, just that would probably be enough to pay for it if they can just make some kind of deal with somebody. Like, if you go by actual, like, hired spellcaster rules, then yeah, that's still not enough. But again, if you consider just like, okay, hey, We'll give you a free place to live, you know, if you cast this spell every day for a year. 
you could probably get someone who can cast that spell willing to take a deal like that. But the how doesn't really matter as much, so I'm not going to focus on that. But the point being, using a lottery with even the small numbers of a D&D city, it can be used for projects in cities. Like maybe this gets used, you know, for a teleportation circle. Maybe this gets used for construction of a, you know, new section of wall to surround like an area of the city that's getting rather densely populated so that they can spread out a little bit more. Like lottery is honestly the simplest form of gambling. It's, it's, you know, it's lottery. It's very easy to run. You just have a number. Someone gets that number, they win. Easy. And again, with dice, that's something that you could actually play. If you actually made a lottery in your D&D world, you could have that and let characters participate if they chose to do so. Like, that'd be a kind of interesting flaw. Because normally, when you talk about someone with, like, a gambling problem, you you automatically assume, like, casino, you know, blackjack, poker, all that side of things. But there are people who have issues, like, with a lottery addiction as well. And that's something I have never seen in D&D. And I think that that'd be kind of interesting. But also, as remote as it is, there is a chance that they win. Because again, unlike in our world where there are millions of tickets in play, a D&D world is likely to only have thousands, maybe tens of thousands, just depending on you know, the wealth and size of the city in question. So, okay. So you have a potentially large reward, and maybe this is something that just like you actually can just kind of play with in world and like every week of game time that passes you know you'll just roll and if you know the number like let's just say you just have them pick a number between one and a thousand and then if you ever roll like 495 they win that'd be a kind of neat thing and yet i have never seen a dm actually do anything along those lines but it'd be neat anyway uh, sorry, that was another tangent in a tangent, I think. I've lost count of the tangentception at this point. Um, oh, uh, actually, one other thing that I do want to mention also, just in terms of casinos existing. So, Mitch, can you tell me about why poker chips and such exist? Uh, probably convenience, I'm guessing. Yeah, like that is honestly one of the big things of, that is convenient about them is the fact that you can have denominations on a poker chip that goes higher than currency. And that actually has an interesting implication to me, particularly, because in a D&D world, coins are really fucking heavy. And yeah, trade bars are a thing that exists, but... It'd be kind of neat. Like, imagine if you actually just had casinos in world, like, take the place of banks. Because they do typically have very extensive security, because they would have to for the amount of wealth in use. Like, they would have to have, you know, some form of teleportation blocking. You would have to have, like, all kinds of protections just against the many types of magic that exist in a D&D world. Like any like just casino of size would have to have that, or there would just they would just get robbed all the time. Well, 
probably not all the time, because they'd probably just go broke very, very quickly. But making use of that to actually have casinos act as banks would be kind of interesting. And then that would also mean then that you could have individuals just carry poker chips of high denominations instead of just having just very obvious large quantities of coins. Because then if you do consider that, you know, the chip is exchangeable for usable currency, you just got to go to one of these, you know, casinos that exists in this city, this city, and this city. So you have multiple locations where you can make use of that. That has a lot of interesting world implications. Yeah, but you may as well just invent paper money at that point. Yeah, but paper money is much more damageable. Like, I assume that that's the reason for why a lot of why paper money typically does not exist in the D&D world. Because make a magic debit card. Honestly, that would be a good idea. And uh, banking is on our topic list. We just haven't gotten to it yet. I'm really tempted to do that sooner than later now because this is actually a topic that interests me. So I'm just going to kind of put a bookmark in that side of things for the moment. And I will just have to get back to that later because that's a little bit too tangential for what we're talking about here today. But anyway, so that aside, you can have gambling casinos. You can have any types of racing. You can have lotteries. You can have every other type of gambling that exists and every type of gambling that doesn't exist because that's the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons. You, as a dungeon master, have ultimate authority to decide what exists in your world. And I do suggest that thought should be put into making use of gambling more in your D&D worlds. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and you can send us an email, riftsandrules at gmail.com. That's riftsandrules at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I just... I got a funny search result that I just clicked on that is distracting me. There's 10 things the Bible says about gang. About what? Gambling. I thought you said gangbang. <laughs> so, well, I don't remember that in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is going to be a weird one for my search history. What does the Bible have to say about gangbangs? 52 Bible verses about group sex? What? For real? Uh, that's the first result that came up. All right, we're changing our R&R topic. <laughs> <laughs> Did we lose you? I hope not. I asked you a question, though. Oh, I did not get it. Okay. Uh, can you think of any repercussions of, like, big gambling houses being a thing? Yay. <sighs> Man, I love when I make pithy comments, and then I realize I'm muted. Oh, <laughs> what'd you say? As, as, I don't even remember. I, I, in my mind, it's pithy. In reality, it probably wasn't.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.